Have you listened to an episode of our show and thought, hey, I've got a better idea than that. These guys are terrible. Well, that's really mean, and it makes me feel bad. But also, I've got good news for you. Announcing the Writer's Room Game Show Notes Hotline. Call in and leave your better ideas on any of our past episodes, and we may play your idea live on the show for all to hear. That's Hollywood, baby. Make us look like fools. Call the Writer's Room Game Show Notes Hotline, 1-866-HEY-WRGS. That's 1-866-439-9747. Breaking a story is gross. It's gross, sweaty work, and it's only fun if it's going well. And it's only going well about 5% of the time. As a result, a lot of cool story ideas get left unmade. But with the Story Clock Workbook, you can break open your story ideas to quickly find an organic narrative structure, mining your ideas, resources, and inspiration for every last ounce of potential. Whether you're looking to write a screenplay, novel, sermon, wedding toast, ransom note, even a podcast ad, the Story Clock Workbook can help you get your story ideas out of your head alive. Learn more about how you can make writing less gross at plotdevices.com and get 20% off your first order by using the code GAMESHOW at checkout. But she completely did not read my last page. And when I got it back, she had just scribbled it out like it didn't exist because the last page had Corduroy finding a bomb on the roof and having to, def- and he couldn't defuse it. So he had to jump off while it exploded and catch incredible. a tree. And, and my, my, my teacher just pretended it never existed. It was like a perfect Corduroy book up until the last page where Corduroy had to defuse a bomb. Corduroy jumping off a building with the bomb going off. That's, That's going to be our mandate. <laughs> yeah. I want that to be in every episode. <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Ryan. And I'm Seth. And welcome back to the Writer's Room Game Show. It's the podcast where every week we generate an original feature film idea from scratch in under 60 minutes, working from a set of random prompts given to us by a big Hollywood studio. At the beginning of every episode, the studio, which is really just an iPhone shortcut, assigns us, the contestants, a new project consisting of four components. The genre, the tone, the demographic, and a studio mandate, which is basically just a random thing that the studio is requiring. We then have one hour to develop a feature film idea that fits the assigned criteria with surprise roadblocks along the way. At the end of the episode, we'll focus group the idea with one of our talented filmmaker friends and ask them focus group questions that you ask focus groups. Things like, would you recommend this movie to a friend? Would you recommend this movie to yourself? That's kind of what the question is, but I said it wrong. If they answer positively, we win, and so do you. (laughs) And if they answer negatively, we'll quit screenwriting altogether and then do it again next week. And that's about it. Oh, and I should also mention, in this episode, it's not just going to be me and you, Seth. We also have You've forgotten his name already. I'm sorry. No, no, you've forgotten. What the hell? He means nothing to you. Come on, Ryan Connolly. Let's leave Ryan. It's like being at home. I I did have an incredible (laughs) intro prepared talking about your amazing short films and your amazing YouTube show, Film Riot. But you know what? It's Ryan Connolly. But you 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 couldn't remember the names of any of them and you had to Google (laughs) real quick. Like, oh, yeah, this guy. Oh, man. Welcome to the show, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. I am the roadblock. I'm I'm here to screw this whole thing up. And we are so excited to watch you screw it up. (laughs) It'll be an interesting experiment to add another person to this writing room, so to speak. We thought you were the best one to try to do because... Because if it goes poorly, it'll be your fault. <laughs> it, because it'll probably go poorly. So I uh, said we know the outcome. 
I don't know, man. The last one we recorded, these don't come out in a specific order, but the last one we recorded was the roughest. It was it was pretty rough. Yeah. Have you done any that you were like, you know what? Let's not use that one. Yes. This, the this one, one we just close. recorded. Yeah. Oh, okay. If, if the focus group hadn't been so funny, if we hadn't been laughing through the focus group because it was so bad, I think we would have been like, eh. I literally Maybe. couldn't breathe because I was laughing so hard at how bad our star movie was. We would just but, hear each other saying like the key words from it and the titles. Like every time we would say the word plastotopia, <laughs> we, the other one, we'd see the other one have to mute their mic or like hide from the microphone and laugh. Yeah. If it hasn't come out yet, we can spoil, I guess, a potential title. Mira and the Synthetic Seas Plastotopia Has Fallen. <laughs> Book one, C. Is the title <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it tells you that there are sequels. You know, this is IP we can expand on. I missed that part. The f- everything before you said book one, that's the name of every book. That's the name of the series. <laughs> Mira and the Synthetic Sea, Plastopia Has Fallen. Book three, <laughs> Plastopia Rising, part one. Oh, man. Perfect phone call. I wonder who it could be. Let me pick Perfect it up. Perfect phone call. Perfect phone call. <laughs> Hello? Oh, hey, studio. Yeah, we're just hanging out. Oh, you'd like us to write a movie? All right. Okay, yeah, we'll check the email. Thanks so much. All right, bye. All right, they sent you an email, Seth. I'm opening it right now. Oh, boys. This is going to be a good one. All right. <laughs> oh, what do we no. got? The studio is looking to write a film in the genre. They're actually using my nickname for this genre, which I've made up in a few plot devices um, blog posts. Eggtam Legap, which is stands for experts going to a mysterious location and getting attacked by things. Okay. That's the genre. Uh-huh. I nice. can get on with that. Yeah. They would like the tone to be intimate. <laughs> Connolly, I swear we didn't pre-prep this for you. I swear on my children, this was not pre-prepared. Sex and violence, let's do this. Sexy creature violence. Uh, The demographic, they would like this to appeal to both men and women age 40 to 49. Okay. I don't know why that cracked up Ryan so much. Ryan thinks 40-year-olds are hilarious. It's just so specific. (laughs) And the mandate, they actually would like a genre mash on this one, so we get to roll for another genre. Uh Uh-oh. Genre mash. Whoa, what was that? Good God. Okay, genre match. That's the first time we've got it. It's an exciting time. This is exciting. First guest and first genre match episode. Here we go. Wow. Guys, we hit the jackpot. Today, we're going to be writing a movie in which experts go to mysterious locations and get attacked by things that it also exists within the spy movie genre. Ooh. Okay. And that's going to be intimate for men and women age 40 to 49. So an intimate spy movie where people go to an exotic location and get attacked by things. The writer's room game show has begun. It's Bond meets Alien meets Fifty Shades of Grey. I, it writes itself, There's really. A, you know what? <laughs> there is a lot already going on in this. Like, this is the most going on in one episode. Well, I absolutely I love it. <laughs> this is so great. I love that the genre itself is basically like, like plot. <laughs> <laughs> the genre that you created uh, what, how, what would you call it the egg tam legap yeah so you've 
you basically have like a three act structure within the genre. So we just fit a spy movie and uh, intimacy into that. <laughs> so let's open it up and see the egg tamla gapped. Yeah. Do you have any research or reference yeah. movies for? Uh, so for- I guess we should talk about like comps and research. I am a little. Uh, concerned about the target demo like what we've done in the past is like picked a cat we've tried to just basically start with a cast that mm-hmm. meant I that. mean yeah 40 to 49 you, you know you Jason Statham Mark Wahlberg <laughs> is that I mean I guess like Fast and Furious would that be 40 40 like I'm trying to think of what that's a great would question be. well when you think of movies I think, uh, I think 40 Fast and Furious is more like 25 to 35 yeah but it was but now it's one of those 25 to 35 year olds are well they're us and we're not 40 yet so well I just think of like really popular like 90s movies it's like that was the sort of era like they're young adults around that time and that's the for me, it's like the movies they really get into then, they, they basically are into for the rest of their lives. At, at least, I feel like when I think of men 40 to 49, I just think of that those kind of movies. Mission Impossible, I mean, that's 40 to 49 spy movie. I don't know. It's it's like very specific, but also kind of very broad and and the kind of movies that those people would like. I'm looking at a few comps that I have already, like in terms of story structure, like Jurassic Park. We all know the structure there. We've got like... If you break it up into, so let's uh, like, just because I tend to keep messing this up and saying the wrong act numbers. <laughs> act one, you know, is always normal world. The beginning of act two is the arrival at whatever location they're going to, or it's the an- an- annihilation. It's entering into the shimmer. Mm-hmm. I'm at the beginning of, uh, beginning of act two. Beautiful synth score. Yes. Then up to the midpoint in Jurassic Park, it's like, that's the, the good dinosaurs time. And then after the midpoint is the bad dinosaurs time. And then the beginning of act three is like the, we're pro actively getting off this island now like they're oh and it's also the third act is like when that big bad monster that you've been scared of the whole time the one that thank god at least that one's not coming to get us that's when that one comes to get us so it's the raptors for example once the raptors break out we're into act three in jurassic annihilation and then i want to look at aliens i'm gonna look at annihilation i'm gonna look at aliens are you pulling up your story clocks here yeah i think annihilation you shift in act two when they go into the shimmer yeah definitely and act three is the lighthouse once they once she gets to the lighthouse and and she dances with the silver silver surfer mind that's a weird comp though (laughs) it is a weird comp but i mean but structurally though it is like it's still like the place that you fear the most the cave you fear the most like that's act three yeah Aliens. She gets she gets intimate with the Silver Surfer mind. <laughs> she does. You're right. There is some intimacy, intimacy there. You know what? Annihilation is a very intimate. I think so. I mean, they, it's let's just it's remake sort of, there, Annihilation. There's that, if you throw in some spies, I think that's that would yeah, have been. I mean, there's <laughs> her movie. There's the whole. I mean, the subplot with her husband cheating on her and sex scenes. Yeah, intimate. Oh, I guess yeah. There is in that movie. Yeah. I like how you were trying to actually be valid in like your <laughs> observations, but I was like sex scenes. Sex scenes. <laughs> yeah. They're just right. instead of uh, explorers and then the shimmer, they're spies. There we go. We got our movie. Okay, aliens. <laughs> Talk about aliens. Aliens. I mean, they arrival. Oh, my clock for aliens is really crappy because it's just the chapter list. I found a site that has chapter listings from DVDs and, <laughs> and found a way to quickly make clocks out of it. So express elevator to hell and arrival. That's like, that's when they first get their newt rescue mission, cocoons, battle, Ripley's rescue. So what it tends to be is it still is the something weird might be going. It still is like the horror structure that I talk about a lot. And that's in the story clock workbook again we not we're not the ads are where we hype the products but i end up talking about them in here anyway but with the first act things are normal first half of act two things might be weird second half of act two things are definitely weird we should do something about it the third act is doing something about it and so jurassic park actually is that way like 
first half of Act Two is all about like, look at these dinosaurs, aren't they great? And the smart people are like, yeah, they're great, but something's not right and something's going to go wrong. Mm. And then the second half of Act Two, things do go wrong. And then Act Three is like, well, let's do something about it. And aliens, they get to the planet and Act Two is like arriving at the planet. And the first half is like looking around and finding Newt and like, and Ripley being all like, we really shouldn't be here, yada, yada, yada. And shit, it's the fan. And around the midpoint, that's when we're in like reactive mode to It's right aliens. behind me, isn't it? Yes. Oh, it was. On the Zoom call, there's actually a, a xenomorph <laughs> behind you. And uh, Annihilation, the Shimmer, they get to the Shimmer and they spend like the first half of Act 2. Like, I mean, people will d- can die in the first half of Act 2, but it's really about... It's when they're discovering all of this, the crazy Oscar, monsters. Yeah, the tape, watching than... the tape with mm-hmm. uh, Oscar. Yeah, midpoint of Annihilation, I think, is where the one gets killed by the bear. The first time the bear really shows up. Yeah, the bear takes Shepard. And they're like, we have to turn back. And they're like, no, to the lighthouse. To the lighthouse. <laughs> to the lighthouse, sir. <laughs> Get to the lighthouse. And <laughs> that's the tone of annihilation. In the- <laughs> We have to figure out like where are they going? Like where are they? I mean, and wait, we, it's really and I chicken think, or egg. And I think taking a similar sort of plot, but sort of injecting the DNA of a spy movie into that, as opposed to a, maybe a monster movie, like all those are Jurassic Park. I guess yeah. it's still that. And yeah, injecting the DNA of something more. I guess maybe Mission Impossible or yeah. I've got what are we going spy wise? I've got Inception. I've got I might have Skyfall in here. Yeah, I've got Skyfall. But if we want more of a straightforward spy thing, you're right. It's probably like Mission Impossible. So I've got the first one and I've got yours from Ghost Protocol. The first one's a weird structure for a movie. Honestly, Ghost Protocol is too. By the time you're well, at Ghost Protocol, they're really just writing it around the, well, the action set let's, pieces. Let's think about now that we have this, why don't we think since we have to go to a mysterious location, how about we sort of start with where are our characters going and what what is the sort of the conflict before our spy and our... Yeah, because if we know that, if we know the where, then we're going to know the who they are because then that will probably inform what kind of expert they are. Totally. Well, I think actually the where should be determined by our spy movie idea because I it sounds like what might be a cool structure is and there are caveats to this that I, I'll get to but like basically like your mission should you choose to accept it yeah yes your <laughs> mission is to go to this place and do this and then you show up and then wait there's more going on here this is Castle Wolfenstein and oh no <laughs> zombies like <laughs> and that kind of thing the, oh, the caveat is that we can't hey, just if, we can't it's a genre mash so we should I mean I think it'd be okay if our spy is suddenly involved in something more supernatural uh, yes but i do think uh, we can't bamboozle the audience we need to actually we need to be cognizant that we are somehow setting it up even in the first act even if it's thematic so that we don't just like suddenly drop aliens in the middle of our cowboy movie randomly so to speak as the as the adage as the old adage goes (laughs) okay are do you guys like you know we've got like tropical landscape like jurassic park i feel like all these spy movies are in these incredibly beautiful unique locations i always like the idea of that's not done a ton is i mean you kind of said castle wolfenstein is a joke but not necessarily a castle but you go to ireland and you have that sort of foggy but now skyfall yeah yeah yeah. exactly like that sort of feel like there's this thing that's ancient but it's current day i always like that sort of setting i like it if it's like an old bunker too like if it's in like an old world war ii there's some history there bunker that's what's cool about it it does give you a lot of layers because it's like here's the top but what if they do find this hatch and oh shit this thing goes further and what's way down there and 
that I mean, that's pretty interesting. The hatch. Wait, are we just talking about Bad Robots Overlord? I think that's what we're writing. Dude, that now, movie rules. Dude. <laughs> oh, that movie sort of rule. proto zombies. I also curse. This is not a cursing show, right? Like, I know. I gotta okay, try to minimize that. Ryan, Ryan okay. treats it like basic cable, like basic PG-13, cable. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll try. I'll just try not to. We give you one F word that we bleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you but, say more than that, we kick you out of the Zoom. <laughs> just to get ejected. We have the NPAA watching. We make you leave your mouse. office. You leave your Zoom on, but you must get up, walk to your door, and slam it. <laughs> but um, remain in the room. <laughs> <laughs> so he can hear us without you. I like that. I like that. The staple of a spy movie, though, is not staple, but spy movies tend to have lots of locations, yes, yeah, right? It's Unless, not just centralized in that one. I mean, maybe that can be where it starts, though, because I like that. That's sort of mysterious. And I like that. But does it also leap. have to be like a globe trotting spy film, or could it be a film that's kind of like the experts go to a place and as it turns out, there's a spy among them situation? That's true. Because, yeah. Like one of them is there. One of them is there for different reasons than the rest of them are. They know that X is in this location and that's what they're really there for. It kind of has an aliens vibe to it, right? Like he's there to bring yeah. this thing back. Aliens. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, the spy genre is very globe trotting, but the one that, the, however you say it, expert going to mysterious location is very much like they start at one spot. What's so hard to get this, about that? I don't understand. Yeah. Egg Tam would gapped. I think it's kind of interesting to contain it a bit while still infusing some of that spy genre and Side of yeah, this. it's got to be contained. It can't be globe trotting. But I do really love. They're so never going to give us an eighty million dollar movie, Seth. <laughs> but you brought up a great. Well, you just made several great points, Connolly. You've got one. A good monster movie has got to be contained. Yeah, I can only think of a few that are that are that have broken that rule. Actually, I can't even think of them right now. But I'm just benefited out there. Are a few that are great. In yeah. order for it to be great, it's got to be contained. But you also brought up that like we basically have a choice of like which genre are we? What's our base genre? And then yeah. and what are we putting the other the other genre element? into so we either have are making a spy movie that we're gonna bring that we're gonna make a monster movie in or we're making a monster movie that we're gonna tell a spy story in personally I, I think, think the former is sounds egg, more egg fun Tam Legap with spy movie elements oh I oh I'm sorry I meant the spy movie like a movie about a spy that's told kind of like a spy movie but then there are monsters in it almost like a Mission Impossible or a James Bond where the bad guy is engineering some kind of creature or it's basically like a Johnny Quest episode as we're talking about the caveat is that we do not globe trot yeah which is kind of the spy movie thing i feel like is, the, is uh, it though i mean like i feel like it is because of bond and mission took that up but like really the spy movie thing like i guess well, that's what, maybe uh, what, those are the what spy would be like I a contained <laughs> what would be a contained spy movie i can't think of any allied is kind of a, a contained spy movie but that's also a romance film I haven't seen that one. You have like Man from Uncle, which is also globe trotting. But the the new like Kingsman movies, those are sign of globe trotting. Is Born spy? Born is a spy movie, hundred yeah. percent. And he's he's globe trotting. But again, I want to go a little further back. So I'm going to search espionage thriller film. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Argo is a spy movie technically, and that is not globe trotting. That is like we're going to one location to do this. Bridge of Spies, uh, it just has the word spy in it. I personally like the one location <laughs> thing just because to me, yeah, for like a monster kind of thing, even if it was set up to be a globetrotting thing and you think it's going to be that. And then by the time you get to the, this location, it gets deeper and deeper. And now we're sort of locked in there. So like sort all of you really need to do is like a, you just need to do a cold open that is totally that's in some other location that's rad and goes all in the trailers. And then you have your main location of the movie and like, <laughs> and maybe, you know, in the third act, 
hacked it, have it look different enough to where you have what looks like two and a half locations in the movie, but looks like you're globetrotting. You globetrot by just going to two different locations, you know? I'm fine with that. Yeah. And we can set up this yeah. sort of the spy movie sort of feel in that opening prologue or whatever. Sort of establish this is the character, this is who she is. Here this are is, their here are their skills. Yes, exactly. And then we we start our movie, you know, title light the fuse, we got our title, and then now we're in <laughs> now we're into our Agtem Legapt. <laughs> we don't have to keep calling it that. I'm, our monster movie. Yes, yeah. our monster movie. Task possible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I like sort of setting an expectation and then like you're thrown into this other genre, but with the hero from a spy movie, that's a lot of fun, especially if there's, you know, some gadgets involved. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Seth, because this, this is super fun and the genre thing, but this is also our only uh, episode so far that we've kind of not had, had a mandate because it's an extra genre. And so now it usually, it's like... It's it usually so, helps when there's a mandate. Yeah, it's so broad that we're like creating it from scratch. Well, so, we'll get a mandate halfway through. So right now, let's just have fun and talk about what do we really want to do for fun? Totally. Since we're actually allowed to do whatever. And I want to start with Connolly, since you're our guest. Give us some ideas of what do you want to do if you have a spy movie that has a fun opener and a cool contained location for the most of it in which we're going to tell a monster movie. Like, what are some things you've always wanted to do for either of these genres? I mean, I love I love monster movies and I love spy movies. And I like what Polly said, where you start with, you know, that Mission Impossible team thing that there's this, this is this group that's really good at X thing. And that's what they get, you know, taken for. And then sent to this location and then it shifts on its head a little bit. I love that because then I love the mousetrap factor of it where they're sent here and then you build the mousetrap and then midpoint is the mousetrap springing and off you go. So I like the idea of instead of being, I mean, aliens is kind of very similar. You know, there's these spies who shouldn't be caught in the mousetrap, but they are, but the mousetrap is supernatural in some way that it's not the normal sort of thing. Or is it, or is it, what if, can we do it in a way to where like, like the monster and lost was for the first several seasons for the first season before we ever saw like the smoke and knew it was a smoke monster. There was, always the question of is it a man-made thing is it even real like can yeah, we yeah. do a monster movie kind of thing but because it's a spy movie have it always be ever there's a paranoia element to it of like are we being played is one of us playing the rest of us are these monsters even real kind of a thing or is this actually all a giant conspiracy that's like some game that we're in the middle of and being played against us because then you have the paranoia aspect of a spy movie going on there too and by the way you said team members and i realized this is amazing we have a a spy team that goes to a location and that's the team that gets getting killed off. Almost like the right. uh, opening of Mission Impossible 1 where we're just going to have like totally. team members that yeah. were... Yeah. And they're, and, they're so, and they're really intimate with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. Yes. Uh, as, as long as it doesn't go Scooby-Doo, right? Like yeah, I yeah. hate when it's like, oh, it's monsters. No, it's not. It's a man-made thing. I like, literally that thought of Scooby-Doo when me. he started talking. Yeah. It, it would have to be like, if it was like what you said where it's like known throughout like, no, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. And then it either is or then it isn't, but you're always setting that up. Not it's as long as it's not like, oh, it's monsters. JK, it's just me. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not a reveal. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a constant uncertainty yeah, of like, that's cool. We, we give enough clues to where we need to like change what we think is going on throughout the film. Like, yeah. and our protagonist does too. To where at one point we believe like, it's like a murder mystery, essentially. Like, you know, this person did it. This person did it. Oh, that didn't even happen. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that because it could be exciting uh, directorially too, because you get a little surreal and weird playing with those two elements. So let me pitch you this. A parallel universe with teleporting tigers where (laughs) Amelia... Oh my (laughs) gosh. Ryan, this is... (laughs) 
on, on our episode. I'm going to say it's it was before this. It's our episode that we were talking about earlier. Mira and the really long title. Seth, uh-huh. when we couldn't think of any ideas. That's the title, by the way. Mira and the really long title. <laughs> um, <laughs> Seth went to this air table where he has ideas and was listing off some old ideas and he you've got seen one, it Connolly. Like, oh. it's my like it's every idea i've had even since i was a yeah, kid yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Remember. and it was yeah. this really i was like oh man this is really good this is really good and then he got to the end and it was like teleporting tigers that were coming <laughs> <laughs> it just it, you could see his face like oh i forgot about this part uh, <laughs> i forgot about the tigers i always do it's so good until then. And then it's brilliant. That's most <laughs> of my brilliant. ideas. When I was a kid, we had an assignment that uh, we were needed to pick a book. You can stop the timer, Polly, if you want. It won't be very long, I promise. Countdown pause. Where we were all assigned, uh, our class was assigned to pick our like our favorite book, uh, our book series, and write an installment of the book series. And I picked Corduroy, the, the bear. This is second grade, by the way. I wrote this Corduroy book that my teacher said... My teacher grade gave me like, you know, stellar grade and read it to the class as an example of like how to mimic another writer's like style and the style of whatever. Like she loved it, but she completely did not read the, my last page. And when I got it back, she had just scribbled it out like it didn't exist because the last page had Corduroy finding a bomb on the roof and having to, def- <laughs> and he couldn't defuse it. So he had to jump off while it exploded that and catch incredible. a tree. And and my, my, my teacher just pretended it never existed it was like a perfect corduroy book up until the last page where corduroy had to defuse a bomb corduroy jumping off a building with the bomb going off that's I that's gonna that be, to be our in, mandate yeah i want that to be in every episode countdown resume okay yeah man i really like that uh, especially in this really interesting location that if it's from our eyes at the beginning it's a very normal you know this amazing spy movie location but it gets bigger and bigger and kind of becomes lots of different looks if it's you know supernatural or if there's some sort of What's interesting too from a character element is with the cold open you can kind of see like what each of these characters is comfortable with and good at so then when you get into the mousetrap section you can force them out of that entirely and what they're good at the the faculties that they've had because of this occupation is entirely useless to them and they need to do the opposite which could be really fun totally You've got the Ethan Hunt, you've got the uh, man in the chair, you've got the Benji, you've got the muscle. Right. I think we play right, up all yeah. those, those tropes and yeah, and sort of reverse, put them in. Dude, the leader should die first. Like Ethan Hunt should die I, off the bat. I don't know, man. I That's an idea I feel like so many writers have thought of and it felt so fun. And then they they when they do it, they either, the movie sucks or <laughs> they end up, they, they do it for the, like we talked about Lost. That was originally in the pilot of Lost was that they wanted to make a show where they, they were just throwing away ideas that thing because they were convinced they weren't going to make it. Cool, because it was a pilot that was going to happen no matter what. And they were convinced that the show would be canceled after a few episodes. So they were like, we're going to just jump the shark in every episode. So let's kill off the main character at the end. So the pilot, the airplane pilot that's in the, they see like the bloody body in the tree at the end of the pilot, the pilot in the pilot was originally supposed to be Jack. And then they realized after they wrote it like this, like this sucks for the audience. They don't know who to like invest in because you just, who you just invested in, they killed off. That was a pre Game of Thrones era of TV. So like, I don't know if we, sh- I don't know. I mean, well, okay, no, that, that's, that's not what I'm suggesting. I, Cause I hate that sort of rug pool. It's annoying. Not, Hey, invest in this person, JK, they're gone. It's like deep blue sea, you know, Samuel Jackson gets killed and you totally don't yeah. expect that. You think he's going to be a driving force, but he's not our, you're, our lead emotional investment. The, pro- the protagonist is not like the Ethan hunt. It's one of the other characters. And right. we kill off the Ethan hunt. 
is what you're saying. Right. So Ethan, Ethan hunts there is this, our protagonist's safety blanket. They follow them, but this person is someone who really needs to learn to take charge, lead themselves. And the second that's, you know, once it's in the worst of it, that's when we rip off the person who you think is going to be, you know, the driving force, but isn't our emotional connection. Isn't, you know, who and we're then necessarily that, that person ends up being the bad guy in the end who actually faked their own death and orchestrated the death of the rest of the team. <laughs> yes, and he pulls Ethan a mask hunts, off. And he, and he, and he pulls says, a mask off. And, and it is Ethan Hunt. <laughs> it is literally Tom Cruise. Yeah, we yeah. literally are breaking Mission Impossible. Like <laughs> The entire budget is spent on Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh, thank God. Oh, Studio's half, calling. Halfway. They're calling. Here we go. You guys ready? Hello? Yeah. No, yeah, definitely not stalling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, we're doing a great... We've got a full story prepared for you already. Yeah, this will just be a icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I got the email. Seth got it. All right. See you later. Bye. I don't know how I feel about this. They want this to generate Oscar buzz, <laughs> and they want it to generate... They want it so badly. Oh, no. More with this Oscar nonsense. I think Polly knows where this is going. Yeah. They believe they'll generate the most Oscar buzz if Meryl Streep plays multiple characters in the film. <laughs> oh boy. No, I got you. I got you. She's one of the team, but then she does all the mocap for the monsters. We're fine. <laughs> oh, so it's like a Jumanji situation <laughs> where it's like, it's like the She's actor plays the dad. She's Andy Circus, man. <laughs> oh, Andy Circus from King Kong. hundred percent. Yeah. Done. That's multiple characters. We're fine. The Oscar buzz that will be generated seeing Meryl Streep in a mocap suit. Doing and we push that like crazy. Months. We make it seem like the, the artists had nothing to do with the CG performance. It was all her. <laughs> and we just, and the world will start releasing like behind the scenes of her crawling on the ground. This is great. it. Yes. <laughs> you bring up the idea of the, this is the patented, the moment when Seth pitches a terrible idea. I mean, I've already done that, but <laughs> If you said Meryl Streep in a mocap suit, and I was like, well, what if that's in the movie? And then I thought... Kind of like Mysterio, Spider-Man kind of thing? Yeah, like, a little like Mysterio kind of a thing. Like, if I don't know if that's... I kind of want this to be a real monster movie, to be quite honest. I like, think so, too. Yeah, that goes the Scooby-Doo route for me. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, Spider- Mysterio, Spider-Man is such but a good example. That, of, that I feel was like so that was inspired by Scooby-Doo, though, in a way. Yeah, totally. It's, but yeah. it's the right, yeah. it's the right yeah. movie. It's the, it's the right property to do that in. This, it needs to be a real monster. So let's like, all right. Well, so Meryl Streep is right. just ways- in a mocap suit for no reason. Like that's her uniform. <laughs> no, that's my. That's my. I've always wanted to make a superhero movie, like Galaxy Quest in the superhero world, and have one of the like so like a team of guys playing the Avengers have to save the world, but one of them is in a mocap suit the whole time. That's her. That's anyway. a super suit. I think we can think of a creative way to actually have her be two characters, or that to be you know central to the story in some. In we don't some have way. to spend time on that I don't think at we all. Do. It's it's sort of the Superman, uh, our lowest situation where. It's like let's let's come back later and and yeah. figure out how to how to put. But that like in. we're joking, but that's like a legitimate possibility. Is like the the digital character and real character. No, hundred percent. Like no, it hundred percent is. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So a really cool cold open, and in that cold open, we show the team killing it. Yeah, they're like um, on the Great Wall of China doing a big mission or something. Who knows? Beautiful location. It's just some like jumping some incredibly. Yes. It's just some incredibly cool team sequence. It's like the opening of Ghost Protocol, but without the not the opening, but it's like the criminal but without the without the end of that sequence where everything goes around yeah. like or the actually the Vatican scene from MI3 I'm just talking about mission movies that and then and then you get to the see like, fallout that freaking the freaking mousetrap beginning oh, of fallout is a good example yeah. of yes and then 
you sh- and you show the team killing, get to know them, and then you have your main character get their mission, and it's to go to some specific location, and it maybe it'd be cool. Ah, uh, here's what we do. They are going in to find out what happened to the previous team, just like with Annihilation and with all these kind of movies. It's like we sent a previous team, all we got was this tape, or all we got was this message, this clue, this something. So they go out to this place, and oh, and. So that like was a, really good. That was absolutely It was fantastic. actually, for a second, I thought it was a bad signal. And then I was like, oh, I see what he's doing. So they get that. It was ooh, tape. And I'm going to type that real quick. Get mission. It was ooh, tape. They get to the location. And then we spend the first half of Act 2 just getting our bearings and f- trying to figure out what the hell happened here before they got here. We get one death in there. So let's let's talk about like, what is this location they're going to? What is, what kind of monster movie? I was just going to say, I think when we, when we talk about monster movies and I like, I really love Connolly's idea of possibly this Ethan Hunt-esque figure getting killed off first. I think it's natural to have like a science gal be like the protagonist and her sort of, since we're talking about monsters, if there was someone who is like, you know, like the Benji, who's like super smart and sort of nerdy, them being like sort of figuring out how to take out these monsters using some sort of biology. I like the idea of the guy in the chair or the girl in the chair being the actual protagonist of the film and being the only one left. That's very, very cool. As long as nobody says in English, please. I do not want anyone in this movie to say in English. (laughs) That's that's one of my least favorite things. It's the worst. Uh, um, but that's I. I just I was just thinking about that. And I was like that that interests me a lot. Like that person being the protagonist because if we could once we enter that monster world and our spies are sort of put in a, a situation where they're kind of losing their their bearings a little bit, having that person suddenly become the leader is yeah. is interesting to me. Which uh, is funny because yeah, we're pitching I, this I to Cami. I love Kami. the idea of flipping that. Mm. What's funny is we're pitching this to Cami, and that was originally me and Cami's idea for her character in Go Bag, and we <laughs> had to abandon a lot of the backstory stuff. But we built her character. That's why she has blue hair because she was like this techie person who sat in a chair most of the time. Anyway, nice. that's not helping us. Be sure Our to story. use that in the pitch to make her like it better. <laughs> uh, I will. It won't work. I feel like our leader should die at the midpoint. I think then that's interesting rather than dying yeah. like the, being the first one like Sam Jackson style. I say that and Sam Jackson may die at the midpoint of Deep Blue Sea. I have not story clocked Deep Blue Sea. It's a, it's a sin. <laughs> that's wow. like the go-to. When, yeah. you're, when you're studying for- plot. It's like, Should have been man. the first <laughs> Deep it's like sea. the story structure of Deep Blue Sea. The Talk about Oscar essay. bait, baby. <laughs> yeah, I think Film oh Ray did gosh. a video essay on, on Deep Blue Sea a while back. Uh, three, actually. It's a three-parter. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping in here real quick to tell you all about the Story Clock Workbook from Plot Devices. The Story Clock Workbook was built for getting your story ideas out of your head alive. Okay, here's the actual deal with this ad. Most people, myself included, try to skip these little mid-roll sponsor breaks by hitting that skip ahead 30 seconds button built into most podcast apps, but you didn't. You said to yourself, Chrissy, don't hit that skip button. Seth Worley is talking and you respect him. And I heard you, Chrissy. That's why I'm going to reward it with a secret code to get 25% off your first order of the Story Clock Workbook. Just enter code THANKSCHRISSY T-H-A-N-K-S-C-H-R-I-S-S-Y at checkout. Now, remember, this code is just for you and not for those other people who skipped ahead to this moment right here. Learn more about how you can use the Story Clock Workbook to develop your story ideas at plotdevices.co. Thanks, Chrissy. I mean, everyone. But yeah, I'm fine. I think midpoint, that's a surprising thing to throw in the midpoint. Yeah, I like what that. are What are our monsters? What are, and the problem here is that spy movies are by nature superficial. 
And I learned that from behind the scenes on Inception, the challenge Chris Nolan had in like turning a heist movie and finding that emotional core of a heist movie, mm-hmm. which he did in Inception like crazy. It's like spy movies are by nature. And that's why spy- Skyfall is so good is because they found an emotional core of a story to tell for Bond that was like so deeply emotional and, and human. So like I'm sitting here, I'm like, normally if I'm like, what are our monsters? Well, what are the themes we're exploring? We don't have any themes. Like we've just got, you know, this structure of people go to this place. So like what I, we're getting there with, I like this girl in the chair becoming the leader thing. I, I guess I'm getting at is like, I would love for us to figure out a theme at some point to be, to be looking for it. But totally. let's, I think we should figure out what our monsters are. I think too, something to be, that would be interesting is this isn't what the monsters are at all. But like in the beginning, we show how unified they are, how trusting they are of each other. So then in act two, you know, we break that apart with everything else. Like, could they start losing their trust in each other because of what this thing is or what's going on? Like, is it a straight up like movie monster physically attack or is there something else that could kind of. Since spy movies are so much about trust and who do you trust? Who do you not trust? Right. That's not, that's what I'm thinking. The the thing. If the, yes, that's exactly where I was going. (laughs) Totally. If the monsters at like are, are building that distrust in them as part of their, you know, tactic. Right. Is this one hundred percent spinoff? And yeah. is there a way that we can in the opening the cold open needs to show how things go right? Like whatever we show in the cold open needs to be like the, that they all do right needs to be the, like the point of attack for whatever the th- our thing is doing to them. Meaning like uh, Connelly, you keep talking while I'll figure out what I actually meant. <laughs> well, it, it, if it was something like, you know, they go to this place and I don't know, the bad version is, you know, it's an infection, you know, like uh, the crazies or, um, uh, you know, the ruin or whatever. If they go to this place and that that's what it is, you know, maybe there could be a remnant of the last team still there. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. It's a, it's a monster Ooh, from within the last sort team. of thing. Oh, someone needs to be alive. becomes the monsters. Right, right. And so now, you know, somehow that's, tra- whether it's you know the thing is an alien and it can you know look like any of them or you know uh, i think what is it the crazies i think it's i don't know what it is but it's like an infection that get almost zombie like uh whether it's one of those if, if it could be something that starts to you know alter them from within and then and then you start finding like oh, okay i can see where i can start throwing darts at themes here you know, just friends becoming enemies as they do across timeframes that we've gone through right now. You've seen people that you adore and love and you're like, huh, you know, you're starting to see elements you never saw before. So those are themes that could start, you know, manifesting through that sort of angle. Is there anything, uh, any reason to like play with the idea of uh, a history with between our main, our actual protagonist, the girl in the chair and yes, intimate and the just like with Annihilation, like and not Annihilation did this, Congo even did this. Like I'd forgotten that, that Laura <laughs> Linney and Bruce Dern, uh, not Bruce Dern, Bruce, uh, Br- uh, come on, Bruce Campbell's character were supposedly like engaged. And so she was going to find him, but he was like dead the whole time. So I it made no sense. With, with our assignment being intimate, I, I definitely think it'd be a shame to not build some of that, either either friendship or a romantic love interest. With It doesn't with, have to be romantic. What if it was a an abusive relationship? Ooh. Like, and she's not told anybody I was just thinking that, but what if it was with the Ethan character? And so when he dies in midpoint, there's no closure and she has to process the lack of being uh, able to address the thing she never did. So through the course of this thing, she takes control, you know, in a different way to be able to process this thing. Which, which sucks more 
I mean, for the character, not actually as a bad idea. That you can answer, <laughs> too. That is the most sense. Which sucks more? Ryan's first idea, Ryan's yeah. second idea. But what sucks for the character more? To have the Ethan, which I'm, I'm, I keep thinking is like a Jim Phelps because that was like the person who died. in But like the Ethan Hunt character actually be, if the main if that character is the only person that like is like a, a source of comfort or confidence for the main character and like whatever history she has with somebody with someone from the other team that was there. And so losing that person, it's like, now I have to deal with this and process this on my own. I feel like you always want to be paralleling the external and the internal. Yeah. And so like I if agree she's, you know what I mean? She's left to have to process yeah, her pain on her own, but also deal with this monster on her own as well. That is, ta- mm. that is, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I like that way better because then you know we're doubling up on her like one she's losing this thing that was a source of strength for her and two we can have her literally face what was an emotional monster and now is a physical monster for mm-hmm. her and the monsters so are always I, I like that a lot better I think Blake Snyder describes that monsters are always the monster of a monster movie is always a sin like it's always actually good. something yeah. yeah the main character did wrong or something so like or something like I like the idea that the real monster in the story and there are other other movies have done this we're not the first ones to think of this but like to tell you know a victim survival story like you know of, of some of some kind of spousal abuse or something like that oh god 10 cloverfield lane is a great example of one that like tells the story of like the cycle of abuse through like a very clear external parallel to that you know what's interesting to me thematically is like she would be going to save this person and then realize you know they can't be saved you know um, oh, if she it, doesn't know it was an abusive relationship until some evidence that's there. Basically, she doesn't know that the guy... Basically, it's like the per- the man she loves is out, is out there possibly dead. But then it turns out when she gets there, there's evidence to believe that he was actually not a great... Yeah, like it's, maybe it was more of a, even a lying to herself thing. Because, you know, we all have people in our lives that it's, it's really toxic. Yeah, and, and you allow it to stay there. And, and it, poison, yeah. it, it poisons you because you allowed it, because you're trying to... Sal- and at some point, you realize, like, this isn't good for either of us. I have to sever this. Like, you realize... Maybe not, like, the literal, you and know, to an denial. extreme. But even on a small scale denial is such a big part of that you no know, what you're getting at is that she's infected by whatever this thing is throughout Ooh. the whole movie and does and doesn't realize it until oh. the third act and she has to sever herself from it that like her paranoia Sheesh. is coming from that infection Seth, yes <laughs> that is so good yes and that's our big 100%. inversion and twist yeah. is that yeah, she's yeah. maybe she hasn't been killing anybody but like she's not uninfected like she is yeah. actually like yeah she could actually i mean plot wise she could get infected when they first get there and yeah. we could have let you know that but you don't know that yet and then later you're like oh my god you know it's the I am the one who knocks moment the whole time she's been affected and I should have known that that's really yeah, interesting that. one from a plot point and two thematically I adore that so well, how much time do we have left because I think we have our, 10 minutes left till we our need to come up I think we need this doesn't feel this feels like a lot of cool ideas but it doesn't feel like a pitch yet like yeah no what is the <laughs> this like i feel like we're gonna f- will we find that in the external like i feel like we need to we need to be able to say it in like the elevator pitch like in the log line like what is this movie uh, what is this movie <laughs> Uh, I am so bad at an elevator pitch. Like I need 18 pages to give you a treat. That's why I asked you guys. Yep. Um, This is mission. Well, I mean, once I mean, one thing is one thing is like, do we need to know the location? Is that a, is that a part of the, like, I I think that would help. And I especially think a mission impossible team is sent to X and discovers that it's Y, you know, 
I mean, just saying Mission Impossible meets the thing is the is coolest pretty thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I don't, I think maybe we don't release this and the three of us just keep breaking the story. <laughs> but what I was going to say is the castle sort of thing and them going deeper, that is less interesting to me now that we have sort of our monster because I want a, to me, I want a really yeah. broad, like either a jungle or a yes. desert. Like I want a broad spy yeah, location. Like my, I don't my brain went right to like Chernobyl, right? It's like this place that it used to be this massive thing but, I think but the then monsters I think it becomes no a longer, winter movie then the, becomes a winter movie and we want to make a summer movie here and like, the monsters I right. feel like they they well should. no I don't mean literally Chernobyl I mean like what Chernobyl is like it, there's an invisible barrier keeping yes, people you're out, right. you know you're right totally. yes and, and I think that's actually a good way was, to think though the thing that was interesting about Antarctica with, with the thing was because it was like no one could come in or out um, and this thing is here and now you're stuck yeah but I, I was going to say I think that with the monsters they need to with them sort of still being humanoid in a way or you know appearing human that something like that where they're sort of stuck in a location and they don't know who to trust um, something that is really self-contained like that is more interesting than I don't know this chamber of halls that keeps on going and it's opening up bigger and bigger I feel like we need to keep yeah, it, I, keep I, it I pretty totally small agree. I like that it's something that gets in you and lives parallel in you like it allows you to keep your yeah I like something that doesn't replace you and also something that doesn't make you like it doesn't make you pretend to be you it like actually it gets in you and it's it takes over you over slowly enough to where you don't even know you're infected so it's like an annihilation how it clones it's more like yeah it's more like i think it's it has to be being that. overcome by the, the yeah. until you're completely I, consumed with it i think the i think to realize the themes that we're talking about it, it has to go that direction that you're saying seth and it, and it really just it like accentuates and like exacerbates your own flawed parts like in nature, right? Like it just takes basically, I mean, it's like being hangry or being like, it really just like (laughs) takes, which is the name hangry impossible sponsored by Snickers. (laughs) I want to put sponsored by Snickers after every movie title. Like that's a game I want to play. Schindler's list sponsored by Snickers. So, no, no. Oh, my God is the thing. Kapali sent me on Twitter the other day. That was okay, that was... Schindler. Okay, countdown's pause. Countdown pause. <laughs> there was, you, you were posting about Goofy Movie, and there's this meme where you start with the movie title, and then you stretch it out and slop and, and pop Goofy. And you, put- <laughs> you pop Goofy in the middle. So it'd be from Schindler's List, it becomes Schindler's Goofy List. And I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was so <laughs> dark. One of the most shocking, hilarious things I've ever I seen. I don't know what to do! <laughs> I love the poly went, okay, time the posture. <laughs> he immediately explained himself. Okay. Um, okay. Countdown resume. What I was going to say was, uh, we you were talking about being like in Antarctica and therefore no one in and out. What if yeah. a show we love just did this, but like if maybe some kind of weather event, like a hurricane or something, because we do, I do love when you've got weather coming in, forcing people to yeah, totally. stay stuck somewhere. I mean, you have like those oil platform things in the middle of the ocean that's a pretty cool like it's an island without being an island yeah i guess if we're thinking of like a s- spies to something interesting to that they would need yeah to go like to. what's yeah. the stuck location that they were doing a thing at there's the place in goldeneye at the end where he drops sean bean the floating to his death enemy base and the, yeah and that's like clouds. over the big inverted dome oh right big bowl i guess inverted dome is a bowl <laughs> can you hand me that cereal inverted dome um that inverted cereal dome <laughs> uh, yeah i mean something like that's really because that's very spy and if there's a way to yeah. put them there and then their plane um is 
you know, destroyed or we send them to a space station in a car <laughs> and they're all wearing like scuba gear. Yes. No, Done. you just, Oh my God, Connolly. Andromeda strain, a satellite falls to earth to a town and infects a town. So what if a satellite or space, they're going to a satellite or even like can, how much of a space station can make it through the atmosphere. If they're going to a location that fell out of the sky into the middle That's of the cool. jungle and That's Good. It's our. That's real it's good. a man-made. It's our created thing. And so spies would have originally been sent there. If it's some kind of satellite or something that like is a spy satellite or something that's like a packs like a nuclear weapon or something, and like they are the original team was sent to basically recover it and uh, or something like that. But do we move a little away from the spy espionage vibe though? Because it's you know you're not going to be able to hide that that happened. Not if you're going to get it. If you're going to get it, no, you can hide it. Stuff falls out of the sky every day. Say, we too, don't talk the about thing, it. Like that starts with the alien arriving from space so i mean the whatever started this infection could have started you know hit hit it in space that's what causes it to fall down to the ground and then they okay so so you mean something smaller not like like an actual no it could be a satellite even like if it fell and say even if if it was a spy satellite that maybe had a nuke in it or something then you have another thing that another red herring that you can use to like that's cool because when they find it it could be missing and that takes us to this little area over here and there's possibilities of another team like Russians or somebody coming in that maybe came in to get it or were there or so there's like reason to believe halfway through the movie that like the Russians or some other country is messing with them or is there like you get where I'm getting it so if it's like a if it's like a spy satellite in the middle of the jungle then we're getting our ranking our Jurassic Park spy movie Jurassic yeah, I dig Park that. spy movie, baby. We've got two and a half minutes left. <laughs> and that gives us the seat of where the thing came from. So it solves that problem yeah. too. Space, baby. Because you don't have to get specific. You know, there's this ancient no, thing from <laughs> space, you know. That was like, I'm going yeah. to Earth. Oh no, a satellite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works for me. And so essentially we're telling a story about a, it's like Mission Impossible meets the thing in the yeah. jungle. So it's like. The core of the story is our science gal who was in this abusive relationship with a an Ethan. Another spy who was on the yeah. other team that went before them so she maybe like weaseled her way onto this team i don't know if there's a way to do that as a spy i think they i think they i think it makes sense for them to be have a relationship because they're work partners or whatever you know well i guess what i mean is like if she somehow worked her way onto this team so she could find him I don't know. Even if she yeah. injured the one that she replaced. Was she infected already? Well, that's the whole question. Is like We all go a little mad sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, uh, we have a... That pr- was Scream. That's a quote from Scream. We, we all... That's where we, it was originally sourced. We've got a pretty solid... <laughs> uh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> we've got a minute, 10 seconds. I mean, we have a pretty solid idea. I mean, do we, do we need an ending? Probably. I mean, I think we should have a... Di- Obviously, she needs to face her monsters internally and physically, and I think we have a good opportunity to do that at the same time but is there since she is technically one of the monsters already within her is there do we play up the idea of maybe an antidote or something that she can defeat that you know the physical monster you know to sort of symbolize the metaphorical monster that would be her abuse or abuser or i mean you you carry that stuff either way afterward right you know like in in reality so what if she you know defeated the external and you know this one's living with her now and it could kind of end with that 
us knowing that. I think it probably makes sense for it to end on like she is still infected and has to live with this, you know. But if it's metaphorically, if it's a, uh, you know, she defeats the, you know, abuser, you know, metaphorically, is it a thing where she just accepts that this monster lives inside of her and she tries to defeat it every day by just overcoming it? Or is it, I feel like if we're talking about this thing slowly overtaking her DNA and her becoming a monster, it would just slowly eat at her until she loses basically, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe we don't even answer that because you don't know. Like if somebody takes that step to sever the toxic relationship, is that what comes next? How are they going to process that and move forward? Well, here's what it is. It's like, is there a way to present, uh, many movies have actually done this, I don't know, and they do it somehow brilliantly. She's aware that something is actually like a leech is on her or something like that. Like, here's a terrible example of what I'm thinking. Like, there's a leech on her and it actually feels pretty good. She's not going to tell anybody about it because that's a little weird. And the leech actually tells her nice things and actually like makes her feel good about herself. And the leech like, whatever, she now can taste coffee or whatever. And now she, so she lets this leech hang out on her. But the trick is, is that is it the we COVID-19 somehow make vaccine? this, yes, it's the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> but this, and, which just does all of those things, everyone. Jokes aside, get yourself vaccinated. Yeah, get your vaccine. Get <laughs> <laughs> the the trick if we did like you know the good version of that so it's a thing she would have to give up that's like benefiting her but it's causing her to be infected is if we somehow oh God, I can't think of the example of a movie that did this but the audience doesn't for some reason doesn't assume this is the thing that's infecting everybody it feels like a different separate thing yeah I mean if, if other people are getting infected and this happens to her and it looks like a good thing maybe they can like annihilation style where we know they're all sort of being changed in some way we can maybe assume that hey maybe there's some good some good in this place as well not knowing that they're one and the same just because if it's like warning her like about things it's like it's helping her and saving her from it's saving her life a few times it's giving her some intuition against so and so like the idea of like something that she could burn off of her she doesn't because she and we believe that it's actually like a good force like knows of another force or it's maybe something good came down on this satellite she thinks and it's going to protect them from the Russian team that showed up trying to killing them like and it's actually lying to them and using them like that's one option that allows us to be able to like have it be a challenge for her to like make the choice to burn this thing off of her and sever from it time to pitch your movie oh good we're ready we have it well boys i think we're i think we're about ready to pitch you guys ready yes She is an improviser, actress, and small human. You can see her improvise at Third Coast Comedy Club in Nashville, Tennessee. Please welcome my dear friend, Cammie York. Yay! Welcome, Thank Cammie. you. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for being here. Yes, thank you. So, um, Ryan, take it away. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I really... I really want Ryan Connolly. Well, Connolly to, just uh, died. He died, so, so I'll I'll take it away. Cammy, we've got a. I'm back. <laughs> oh, he's alive. <laughs> I I'm dying it's so fast. <laughs> we have a very interesting movie to pitch for you today. Feel free to give us feedback, comments, concerns as we pitch it. But I'll start off by describing what we basically created was 
Mission Impossible meets The Thing. And so we have a sort of ragtag group of professional spies. We've got, you know, an Ethan Hunt-esque leader. We've got a sort of girl at the chair, you know, tech science gal. We've got the muscle. We've got this, your quintessential, you know, spy team that when we open the film, we see this incredible Mission Impossible adventure. We see um, the team working like a well-oiled machine. We kind of establish all of their skills in this, you know, they're at some fantastic location, like... We're still we're still kind of working out all the kinks in this, but imagine some you know some the most fantastic location <laughs> there is. Um, these crazy stunts, you know, we're seeing all this technology, we're seeing all their skills, and we st- sort of establish um, our team and their skills there. But what has happened basically is, let's say they're like CIA. There's this spy satellite basically has fallen down into the jungles of well, where would it be? Seth? Jungleville, 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 Jungle, Jungletopia. Um, <laughs> Um, this, it fell into uh, Zootopia. <laughs> the, uh, this satellite has been destroyed. It falls to Earth into this jungle. And basically, they've the CIA has sent in a team to sort of uh, rescue, you know, grab some of these very expensive and classified objects from the wreckage here. And the team actually doesn't come back. All they get is a tape. Our team that we've met and the opening scene is sent on a mission to basically um, recover, hopefully, uh, what remains of the team that they sent the first time and the objects. Um, I think we talked about there being also a, a nuclear device, um, nuclear missile. Um, so that's our team's mission is yeah. to go basically try to, one, do what the original team was sent in to do, which is to recover the spy satellite in this exotic remote location without being caught. And uh, also under the threat of possible other countries or spy forces like finding it first, but also to figure out what the hell happened to the previous team who stopped responding. And so that's that's our break into act two is that they're assigned the mission and they're sent in. Now, uh, it's important to note that our we've been calling her girl in the chair or science gal. She is who, funny enough, like you and I originally talked about was your character yeah. for Go Bag. She is very much uh, actually our a protagonist of the story. Even if the leader gets a lot of screen time, we are subtly telling the story through her perspective throughout the first act and well into the second act. And we come to find out that she she was in a romantic relationship with one of the spies from the first team. One would say oh. intimate. One would say intimate. I get it. That's the name of the film. One would say intimate. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, Connolly, well, you want to, you want to take us from there in the story from that point? Well, okay. Yeah, sure. So you have like the first act setup of who this team is, right? We, we start off with this, you know, uh, mission impossible esque team pulling off this badass thing. We see what makes each person strong, what they're good at, this unified structure of them. And then we shift into our act two when we, you know, when they're told they have to go and find out not just what happened to this first team, but you know, where the hell is this classified stuff? Is there someone else from some other country that has come in now too and it you know is this out in the open so when we shift in act two we start shifting our tone as well you you take this sci-fi quality and you start meshing it with this thriller horror with you know heavy thematic elements because really the heart and soul of the story is our lead the science gal who starts to take front and center and in the midpoint really has to take front and center when our lead character that ethan hunt character ends up dying And all of this is, you know, going through (laughs) gasp. All of this is going through. Who made the first gasp? I didn't see. I don't don't know. (laughs) 
all of this is going through a lens of, you know, who is doing the killing? Where is this coming from? People are starting to become monstrous, you know, and these are all things we're going to have to figure out. But instead of having an external monster, this alien creature, this monster of some kind, it ends up being people. What we end up discovering uh, through the course of this film is that, you know, whatever the satellite was, whatever came down, brought something down with it that's infecting these people. So some of the people from the first team are still alive, but are no longer, you know, the people they once were. This thing has altered them, um, which is heavily where our themes are going to come into play. Man becoming monster, you know, whatever's within coming out. And we'll discover as well through the course of that thematically that this other person that she was in a romantic relationship with was a toxic one. It's something she'll start to realize as the story progresses, something she didn't quite register until this goes on. So, or was it denial about, or was just denial, or was in denial about not revealing to us the audience as well? Yeah. So, you know, you have the, this, uh, you know, this thriller landscape in the forest, you know, where is it? Who is it? We can, all of these characters that in the beginning in act one, we were able to see what they were so good at, but now it's flipped on their head. You know, she was always at the, she's the tech gal, but that's no longer a thing for her. There's no tech for her to help her through this. So now she needs to become the leader, take control like she never has before, not in the relationship that as it turns out is toxic, not in the team unit that she was. And she starts being the leader of this team. And then, you know, so mirroring that toxic relationship is this creature that's infecting them, which will bring us toward the end of act two, which I'm going to pass off to Seth. Yeah. Toward the end of act two, <laughs> I like this three person this- pitch thing. That's great. We each get an act. And then we're ping ponging. Yeah, we do. So the, by the time we get toward the, the, the big reveal at the end of act two is that she, this whole time has been infected and did not realize it. And, but the thing is, this infection, it doesn't just replace you. It causes you to either do things that you would only do under extreme circumstances, or it causes your perception to warp to where it, it's like this rowdy distortion field around you, essentially where you are interpreting things in a biased, in a very much more extremely biased way. You're acting in a much more uh, extreme fashion. And so she, it's not like you're killing someone and not realizing it and blacking out. It's like you are justifying killing someone because of a variety of things that you have picked up on up to that point. And our goal here is to parallel the internal and the external throughout the story that the we have this external monster movie playing out where it's driven by paranoia somebody somebody and something is harming me but are they or am i going crazy or are they going crazy or is there something else are we being like worked who can i trust and internally there is something that she needs to cut ties with and needs to let go of and needs to process in order to continue and move on that is actually festering and harming her and that's toxic. We're telling that's the big external big story of this thing that's infecting her and infecting everyone that she has to, she's left to be the one to get rid of and get rid of in herself, as well as the relationship that she thought she was coming to with this person she thought she was coming to try and save. She actually needs to purge that from her life as well. And then she also needs, you know, purge an alien from, you know, the world. And this thing, and from her own body. Like, we're not sure exactly what the third act looks like. We just know that we want to take those three parallel lines and have them converge in a way that, you know, is satisfying. And the and the idea would be for this monster is to sort of take the spy movie idea of who do I trust? You know, can I trust my teammates? Can I trust these bad guys? Taking that and putting it legitimately inside of a monster that 
the tactic of the monster is to cause distrust in others. And so we really wanted to sort of symbolize that in the antagonist of our of our picture. So, which brings us to two questions. Would you go see this movie? And would you recommend it to a friend? Right away, I'm going to say yes. I would watch this movie. Yes. I love me a good female protagonist badass, of course. And just already sort of this, like you said, these parallels of like actual monster versus internal monster. And it sounds like a lot of themes of like gaslighting in a way, which for a female protagonist is like always going to resonate with women in general. Um, Unfortunately. Unfortunately, tragically. And to hear that she has to kind of end up being some kind of leader as well is super dope to me. Um, I'm going to say yes. Especially awesome. The idea. Awesome. I'm picturing it as like a, a tropical revocation, yeah. right? Okay. Totally. Yes. That, and that seems yes. just like super cool. You know, she's probably going to wear some kind of great khaki button up shirt. Now she is. That gets destroyed and covered in blood. Totally. 100%. totally. Blood soaked yep. khaki is an aesthetic I will always go for. Well, that's the name of the episode. <laughs> blood, blood soaked khaki. khaki. I love that. Yes, I would watch it. I think I would recommend it to a friend. I think almost entirely based on the themes that you guys are talking about. What kind of friend, like friend your age, would you recommend it to everyone or there specific people that probably friends my age so you know okay. millennials i would say okay. and women in general but but do you think you would also recommend it to people i don't know 40 to 49 um i 40 to 49 i would say early 40s probably maybe i think I would, if, I, if i watched it and it had it's still in the 40s <laughs> if i watched it and it has the lessons that i hope it does maybe i would recommend it to somebody in their 40s to be like hey pay attention or aliens are going to get you. Right. Maybe the aliens will get you, but also like, it sounds like you might need to p- make sure that it's not, is it really the monster or is it you? I think it's you. <laughs> Who are you talking about yeah. specifically, Cam? Don't is there somebody? <laughs> Let's put somebody on blast. <laughs> yes. No. Well, no. we forgot That's about incredible. our target demo in, in our, and in, in our defense, we forgot. Uh, Which but is men, men, women. Hey, that's kind of my pitch, Mo. So <laughs> I would just make the whatever we want to make. Tammy, I would love for you to try to guess. Um, we actually had two genres, okay. and so I would love to for you to guess one of them. The other one you're not going to get, but and you have to say specifically what genre we I were assigned know. in the specific verbiage that it was uh, assigned. <laughs> I'm thinking sci-fi thriller with maybe a spin of psychological. Drama? That's cool. I mean, You're giving us too much credit. You're giving us too much credit there. Yeah, <laughs> that we definitely uh, have that. Um, our our genre was actually spy movie. And no, first it was first it was monster that's, movie, that's and true, then we were true. given, and yeah, then we were given yeah, like yeah. a we monster movie a specifically. God, that's such a. <laughs> creepy sad robot that sings that drop <laughs> just like John Ramash killed his dad is what he's like John <laughs> specifically the experts go to a mysterious location and get attacked by things uh, genre or the egg a- Oh, and the spy movie genre those are the two that we got that we had to mash up okay. so he basically wanted to start it off as a spy movie and then when they arrive at that mysterious location it starts to become something different just like them they themselves start to become something different. but according to you we made it significantly cooler and more interesting and deeper. So I mean, you could say <laughs> that some 
Hey, they wanted us to go, you know, award season yeah, with it. And oh, I forgot to mention. <laughs> intimate. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. forgot yeah. to mention in our pitch that Meryl Streep actually plays two roles in the film. Oh my um, <laughs> gosh. Can I guess? I, can so, I guess? Absolutely, yes. you can well, guess, and so we'll tell you if they're right or wrong. The roles I think she plays is some sort of Charlie, a la Charlie's Angels, like from the radio voice. All right, you're you're correct. Okay. She de- definitely plays that person. <laughs> and she also plays the monster. <laughs> yes. Okay, that that's actually, actually pretty we close. Did that's spec- actually close. We did specify the second. We did not come up with anything for the first I one. I am so and impressed, And we like your actually. idea. <laughs> A lot. So that's who she plays now. So yep. she's, she plays no, now. You like, know, it, it goes with your theme. The very thing that's leading you and potentially confusing you in your mind is actually the monster. Holy crap. Why wasn't she on the pitch call? Well, Cammy, because you, I'm a you, monster. You'll, 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 be invited, here, you'll be invited to the next episode as a writer uh, in the writer's room. She's yeah. on the list. I like so she's, she's sort of you the. You can go to the air table right now. Sort of the Angela Bassett and Fallout. That's like our Meryl Streep. She's given them yeah. the mission. And then, yeah, once <laughs> near the end, it's revealed that she was actually the original, I don't know, the original monster. Some of my other yeah. attractions to this is that you it seems so that you didn't have a female protagonist that was going to seemingly like eat, pray, love her way through this island and finding her people, finding herself. I like that there's a mental component that she herself is trying to figure out what was this toxic gaslighting situation and is my khaki blood soaked or not? <laughs> <laughs> the most important question. Those are the questions no, to ask. That's the sequel title. Is my khaki yeah. blood soaked we're, or not? <laughs> we're definitely heavy on theme and light on plot, but hey, you know. The Writer's Room Game Show with me, Ryan Paul and Seth Worley. Executive produced by Grant Wakefield at Weekend Video and Ann Fogarty at Plot Devices. Edited to perfection by Renee Gomez. Our art is by your buddy, Meg Lewis. And our face-melting music is by Ben Worley. The Writer's Room Game Show is a Weekend Video production in association with Plot Devices. Learn more about Weekend Video at weekend.video and check out writersroomgame.show to listen to all of our episodes and suggest your own prompts for future shows. And don't forget to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps our show out a lot. See you in the next one. This episode of the Writer's Room Game Show is over. It's also sponsored by Plot Devices, creators of the Story Clock Workbook. Did you know that over 84% of podcasts end with sponsor ads just like this? I had no idea, mostly because I just made that number up. If you like to make stuff up, the Story Clock Workbook is for you. It's built for taking your cool story ideas and whittling them down into actual stories. Ones you can tell over a campfire to your adolescent friends as a submission for their approval. Maybe after throwing a mysterious and seemingly flammable powder into the fire with no sign of adult supervision anywhere. Or other kinds of stories. The point is, go to Plot devices.co and purchase 27 story clock workbooks and don't be friends with anyone who requires that you scare them in order to win their approval you can learn more about the story clock workbook at plot devices.co and use code game show to get 20 percent off your first order bye